Tonight, you folks at home and we here in the Coliseum will watch history in the making. The first game ever for the Minnesota Timberwolves. This is The Howl, brought to you by the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. Nothing But Net is a channel like no other, featuring all teams and all topics on everybody's favorite sport, basketball. The Howl is also a proud member of CLNS Media Network and can be found on clnsmedia.com, as well as Podient, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. The Howl is also produced with thanks to our wonderful supporting partners, Rhymesayers Entertainment, the pinnacle of underground hip-hop worldwide, Studio 23, where passion reigns supreme, and Isabel Street Heat, adding a bit of spice into your everyday life. All audio equipment on The Howl is brought to you by Rode Microphones, studio quality with easy accessibility since 1967. I am the Space Jam 11s of the radio world, your host, Kevin Draves. To my right is Aaron Flu Game 12's Grove. Sean, the producer of the show, and to my left is none other than Rob Bugs Bunny 8's Hess, who is the jack of all trades for the program. First quarter tonight is Rob's Mock Draft 5.0. Tonight we will also be interviewing Mark Wallen, who is the co-host of The Courtroom and co-founder of The5x5.com. He will be on to talk all things NBA Draft. Second quarter tonight we are joined by Jordan from Go96.3. He's also the producer of a couple tracks off the new Dwine L. Roland album, Young Roland, which you can find on iTunes and other streaming services. We will be talking music and all things Timberwolves. Zach Levine once said, I remember when I was in the third grade. I was in a classroom and the teacher said, what do you want to be when you get older? We were going around the room and I said, I want to be a professional basketball player. She's like, that's not realistic. And I thought to myself, okay, watch. First quarter of the Howl on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel, and this is draft time. So our first quarter this week is going to be centered around the draft. We are going to have my mock draft 5.0, and then me and Kevin are going to interview Mark Wallen of the 5x5. They are members of Nothing But Net Radio, and he does a great job for their website covering all things NBA draft. So we're going to start out this week with my mock draft 5.0, and we'll get that 
started uh, in a different way than we have in the past this week. So what we're going to do is we have two things we're going to focus on. So we have my mock draft 5.0. We're also going to take a look at the hoopshype.com they have the aggregate 2018 mock draft and what that does is it puts players in certain positions just based on where everyone else has kind of put them so it's not necessarily that the team at that position is drafting them it's that's around the pick they're going to be taken based on other drafts and an average so starting off we have uh, deandre ayton going to the phoenix suns at number one the center out of arizona uh it seems like recent reports have been confirmed ayton is 100 percent going to be the sun's pick here and for my money i get it according to alex kennedy deandre ayton will reportedly watch game three of the nba finals with several phoenix suns players also the suns are the only team ayton will work out for and he's grown close to devin booker josh jackson and marquise chris he seems like a lock to go number one so he's already been hanging out with them over the past week he's definitely bonding with what i think and what it's sounds like are his future teammates i love what the suns are building in phoenix and they will be a force to be reckoned with i think going forward looking at the aggregate no surprise they agree uh and now the aggregate on hoopshype.com it's based off of espn nba draft.net which uh you know i'm not a huge fan of what they do but they do have them on here uh the ringer si and cbs sports and they all agree that deandre ayton is going number one so going to number two is where we start to mix things up for my draft uh based on what we had current or we had previously in this draft I am going with Michael Porter Jr., the small forward out of Missouri for the Kings. Now, I know before we had Marvin Bagley Jr. here, and there's a lot of steam for him there. But, you know, shout out to NBA Draft Gods. Uh, They have said something recently about the Kings being big fans of Michael Porter Jr. And other teams' uh, reports are starting to really pick up on Michael Porter Jr. Just because now you're starting to see him get in for workouts. They're able to see his medicals. And this is what I talked about in the very first mock draft of this season, and that's that I think Michael Porter Jr. was eventually going to move up draft boards. You had uh, early steam that he was starting to drop. People were worried about his back. I thought at a certain point, though, teams are going to realize just how talented he is. And so while I take reports from other you know, maybe non-verified sources with a grain of salt. I, I think where there's smoke, there's fire in this case. And I do think Michael Porter Jr. makes a ton of sense to the Kings. And that's who they take here at number two. Now, if you look at the aggregate, they actually agree with my previous assessment, which is Marvin Bagley Jr. is the aggregate pick here at number two. The only one not having him would be the ringer, which has Marvin Bagley going fourth. All right, so looking at the next pick, the third pick, we have the Hawks. Uh, Another thing we've started to notice is some Trey Young steam to the Hawks. I get there's lots of comparisons to people like Steph Curry just in terms of that range. I don't think we can talk about Trey Young in any sort of Steph Curry mindset at this point but at three the drafts team has started to pick up again a shout out to the draft gods they are doubling tripling quadrupling down on this Trey Young to the Hawks team I have started to see his name come up uh, more and more with the Hawks and so I do think it makes a lot of sense because I think what they're going to try to do is they're going to draft Trey Young and then they're also going to look to move Dennis Schroeder and it would make a lot of sense if they do that if they move Schroeder on 
draft night to see if maybe they can get other picks, see what they can do. So I will not be shocked if Trey Young does go here and then Dennis Schroeder is moved on draft night. Looking at the aggregate on hoopshype.com, you do have Jaron Jackson would be the aggregate pick here. I am a huge Jaron Jackson fan. If they went this route, I would have no issues with that as I have had him going here in the past. The other guy that I personally think should be talked about in not only two and three, but at one is Mo Bamba. And again, I think when all is said and done, Mo Bamba could be the best player out of this draft. But again, uh, that's just not where the steam is currently. It's not where most people have him going. I have seen another team that has been tied to Michael Porter Jr. is the team sitting at number four. The Memphis Grizzlies really like Michael Porter Jr. That is not a surprise. I think most teams in this draft are going to look really strongly at him. In this scenario, though, he's not available. So... We have Luka Doncic, who has slid, and they're going to take him. You know, the nice thing is you can slide him in with Mike Conley for the now. He's also going to be able to play shooting guard for the future, just at 19 years of age. Just such a talented player. I think they're very fortunate to have him slip. You know, people have mentioned the fact that he's a European prospect as part of the reason why he has dropped, and that... That's unfortunate for him because I do think he's a real talent and I do think he's going to be a very good player. You run into that problem a lot when it comes to European players is that you start to look at uh, previous failures for European players, uh, guys that have busted. It's very similar to when you see European bigs and people immediately go, oh, Darko Milicic. Well, that's not that's not what you need to do in this situation. Luka Doncic, I think, is going to be a very solid player, very good player. And I think at number four, you have to take him. Looking at the aggregate, the aggregate does have Luka Doncic uh, as four, and that is actually where a lot of drafts or a lot of mock drafts have him going now is in that like four or five, uh, three range, just because teams are starting to question him and his fit, whether it's with their team or just the NBA in general. Looking at five, we have Mo Bamba, again, a player that could be the best player in this draft going to the Mavericks. Uh, The Mavericks and Mo Bamba, for my money, have been head ties since the beginning, and I think they would absolutely love to see him slip to them. Now, in this scenario, they do they do get him, and I think that this is kind of where we were at originally, and I think that's where we're back to now, just based on some of the steam you're, you're hearing about from other teams. Looking at what they think on the aggregate, they agree Mo Bamba at five makes a lot of sense, and that's kind of the aggregate. You know, when you look at the other websites, CBS Sports has him going seven. SI6, uh, the ringer does agree, though, and so does ESPN, that five is the slot for him, and that's Mo Bamba to the Mavericks at five. Moving on to pick number six, we have the Orlando Magic. Now, again, I have said since the beginning, I think that Trey Young and the Orlando Magic are the perfect fit, but right now that's not where he goes. And with him off the board, the Orlando Magic have talked about going with best player available regardless of fit, and for my money, that is Marvin Bagley out of Duke. Again, I've had some question marks on Marvin Bagley, but I do think in terms of talent, you can't go wrong with him at number six. I have started to come around on him more in this draft, so that's where they're going to go. The Magic take Marvin Bagley at six. Again, looking at the aggregate, looking at six, six would be a Michael Porter Jr. The reason there'd be a discrepancy here, obviously, is because Bagley, according to the aggregate, was number two. So that makes a lot of sense in terms of the differences there. Moving on to pick number seven. Now, a guy that's really been tied uh, to the Bulls is Wendell, Wendell Carter Jr., 
but I just can't see a scenario where they take Wendell Carter Jr. over Jaron Jackson, who is still available in my mock. I think Jaron Jackson is a guy that would fit so perfectly. And again, so would Wendell Carter Jr., but I just think Jaron Jackson has uh, just a, a, a higher floor, maybe even a higher ceiling. You know, they're both obviously young players, but Jaron Jackson Jr., for my money, is who's going to go here with both of them available. Now, if you're looking at the aggregate, now again, the aggregate is not based off of necessarily where they think he's going to go or where a player is going to go. The aggregate is based off of just the average of where teams have someone slated. So they're not they're not taking into account the teams at all in this. So so at seven in the aggregate would technically be Trey Young, but again, teams are not taking into account for this. Uh, when you look at Trey Young, ESPN has him going sixth, NBA draft seven. Obviously, I have him going uh, much sooner than that in my mock here. CBS Sports does have him going fourth. So, you know, he's kind of across the board, all over the board. There's not necessarily uh, a specific place that they feel Trey Young will go. But again, I think this makes a lot of sense. And if you think about the aggregate, the aggregate has Jaron Jackson as three. So for him to be available here at, at seven at the Bulls, I think he's the perfect pick. Moving on to eight, we have the Cleveland Cavaliers. I have them selecting a player that I've never been as high on as others, but I do understand the fit, and I do understand why they would go with a player like this. Now, in past mocks, I had Michael Porter Jr. going here. He's not available, so Colin Sexton, he's a name that's been very popular, not only with Cavs fans, but with people that are doing mocks across just across the web, you really see his name tied to the Cavs quite often. So that's Colin Sexton to the Cavs at pick number eight. Looking at the aggregate, at eight, they have Wendell Carter Jr., but Colin Sexton sitting at number nine. So this is right around where he's going to go. So it makes a lot of sense to have him here at pick number eight. Uh, looking at pick number nine, now, I have the Knicks taking Wendell Carter Jr. The thing to remember about Wendell Carter is that a lot of people think he's already going to be gone. And I have heard that the Knicks front office loves Wendell Carter. So if he is, in fact, available here, I think they rush up to the podium to take him. And in this scenario, he is. And I think it makes a lot of sense for the Knicks to really like him. He's a guy that you can uh, pair your future with Chris Stops. Uh, Wendell Carter himself has, has said he would love to play for the Knicks and play with Kristaps Porzingis so I think it makes a lot of sense and again like we talked about the aggregate has him right in this section here uh, they technically have nine the ninth ranked aggregate player would be Colin Sexton with Wendell Carter being number eight uh, looking at the aggregate going forward at number 10 they have Mikael Bridges and that's actually who I do have these Sixers taking is Mikael Bridges at number 10 now in previous mocks he was not available but I think ideally the 76ers would love it as far as players anyways that are actually going to be realistic to be available at 10 they would love it if Mikael Bridges is available here and that's the uh, shooting guard small forward out of Villanova six foot seven going to the Sixers here as far as the aggregate is concerned that is who they have like we talked about Mikael Bridges moving on to number 11 that would be Miles Bridges is who they have and the aggregate and I think actually if he is somehow available here again just like the Knicks just like the Sixers the Hornets run to the podium and take Miles Bridges here I think he would be a fantastic 
fantastic pick. In the past, we've looked more at Kevin Knox in this position because the bridge the Bridges players weren't available. But as we've talked about before, I do think ideally they would love to have one of the Bridges here at pick number 11. And so that makes a lot of sense. What I love about Miles Bridges, he's a player that really talks about how important it is to be positionless in the NBA. Friends with Draymond Green. And if anyone's going to take that next step and be that type of player, I think Miles Bridges has a leg up on the competition at this stage. Now, moving on to the Clippers, this is a team where I've had pretty much the same two guys slotted here from the beginning. That's Colin Sexton and Robert Williams at picks 12 and 13. Obviously, in Mach 5.0, he is not available. Colin Sexton, that is. So we do have a little bit of a change up here. We have Shy Gilgis Alexander going at pick number 12. I am a big fan of his. I had him usually going just slightly after this to the Nuggets. I have seen a few people recently that have said he is overrated. I saw one person say they think he's going to be a bust. I, I think that's crazy. I think he's going to be a very solid player. Uh, and at 13, Robert Williams. We're going to stick with him here. I think he makes a lot of sense, especially given... The, the talk about how DeAndre Jordan might not be with the Clippers long term and so this is a nice build for the future looking at the aggregate we're talking again uh, 12 and 13 and they have Kevin Knox and Shy Gilgis Alexander Robert Williams is actually 14 on the list so we're talking about according to the aggregate this is right around that position that they these players would be going Moving on to pick number 14, we do have a little bit of a slide, not necessarily due to talent, but because of who else slid, you had the Hornets passing up on Kevin Knox, so he is now available, and I think a great fit for what the Nuggets are building in Denver. Looking at the aggregate, as we talked about, they have Kevin Knox as the 12th uh, ranked aggregate player. Sitting here at 14 would be Robert Williams, who is already gone. So again, we're kind of sticking to the trend of being pretty close to the area of most of these players. Now again, I think when it comes to the lottery, you pretty much have the guys set in stone, uh, or as close to it as you can be as far as who's going to go where. Uh, The difference is just what team takes them. So moving on to the next team at 15 in the aggregate, the aggregate, they do list Lonnie Walker and Lonnie Walker is actually who I have them taking. And that is the Washington Wizards. I'm not going to dive too much into this pick. I just think if you're going to add a player of his talent at 15, I know some people have had him going as early as 10 to the Sixers. I think if he's available at 15, a team like the Wizards will take him just because I think you want to go best player available. And I think they can afford to do that. And I think he can slot in behind guys like Bradley Beal and John Wall to help out off of that bench as far as guards are concerned. 16 we do stick with what we've had in the last few mock drafts which is the Suns taking Aaron Holiday obviously Aaron Holiday is the brother of Justin Holiday and Drew Holiday so there's definitely uh, basketball in his blood I think he makes a lot of sense for the Suns a team that already took DeAndre Ayton in this draft and then they need to make up a change I know that their their GM talked about how they were going to Take a look, obviously, at best player available, but they wanted to go in a different direction from what they do in one. So it makes a lot of sense to grab a point guard here, which is definitely a need for them. And as far as Aaron Holiday is concerned, he's actually in the aggregate down at number 19. But still, we're sitting at 16 at the moment, so right around that area. At 17, we have the Milwaukee Bucks. I am going to stick with Zaire Smith. Some people think that he is maybe not the best fit just because there's maybe some players available that are going to be able to help out right away more so. But I just think anyone that thinks that maybe is missing out on just what Zaire Smith brings to the table. And we've talked about the fact that before that 
when it comes to boxing out, he takes it seriously. And and for a guy that takes just one aspect of that game that seriously, you, you start to understand kind of the makeup and how he's willing to fight every night. I really like what Zaire Smith brings to the table. In fact, if he was to slip down to 20, I'd be very pleased. So uh, for the Bucks, I think he makes a lot of sense here at pick number 17. Again, looking at the aggregate, 17, they have Troy Brown. Uh, the one thing to keep in mind, though, is at 16, Zaire Smith was who they had. So Zaire Smith is definitely going to go in this area of the draft and at 18 we do go with the player they talked about on the aggregate which is Troy Brown so Troy Brown goes to the Spurs at 18 it is a pick that has really started to become a little more popular from what I've seen you know a couple weeks ago I had started to think that Troy Brown made a lot of sense here but I wasn't willing to go all in but at this point I do think he would be the right fit and the right player to grab for the Spurs at 18. At 19, now I've had some discussions with some other uh, draft experts, and I know there's the talk about Kevin Herter having a first-round promise, and he's really started to jump up boards. I do think this is where he's going to go here, would be the Hawks at number 19. So Kevin Herter I have going here. If you look at the aggregate, they actually have Kevin Herter as 18, and like we talked about before, Aaron Holiday is who they have listed at 19. So Kevin Herter, this is where he's going. And they they actually mentioned on HoopsHype.com that he's the biggest riser. Not surprising. People really like what he brings to the table as far as consistency shooting-wise. So I think you can do a lot worse for a rebuilding team than grabbing a guy that just finds a way to put the ball in the basket from deep. Looking at the aggregate, we move on to number 20. Again, the most important spot, which at 20, the aggregate has Chandler Hutchison. Now, I really like Chandler Hutchison. Now, the funny thing is none of the the aggregates have him going to us. So the, the most they have him going is 22. But just based on how, how late some of those other players after him are going, that's kind of how the average works out to be. So he they have him at 20. Uh, as far as the mock draft is concerned, in my mock, I stick with Kyrie Thomas. I am a huge Kyrie Thomas fan. Shoots threes, makes sure he can defend. He is the perfect pick for the Wolves at number 20, and we are going to stick with him. Some other names to watch at 20 would be Dante DiVincenzo. He is a name that has started to come up more and more. I know ESPN linked us to Bruce Brown Jr. recently, a player I do not actually think is at this stage going to go in the first round, but again, a player to watch just for his defense and his improved jump shot. There's also Chandler Hutchison, as they talked about in the aggregate. Again, I don't think he's going to be the pick, but he's another name to watch. Uh, A player I really like, not necessarily for the Wolves at 20, but if the Wolves, let let me put it this way, in an ideal scenario, the Wolves would find a way to move on from Jeff Teague and trade him for a first-round pick. Again, that's not happening. It's not realistic. But in an ideal world, if they could trade for a pick in the 20s and grab Elia Kobo, I would be very pleased. And as a matter of fact, Elia Kobo is who I have the Jazz taking at 21. They actually worked him out last season as well as this season. So they definitely are fans of what he brings to the table if you have not watched him watch his highlights on youtube watch some of the game film on him on youtube i just think he's a player that is starting to jump up boards for a reason and when all is said and done he's going to be one of the top point guards out of this draft class 
Looking at the aggregate at 21, they have Zanin Musa. Now, Zanin Musa is a player I've liked from day one. I am still very high on him. There are some concerns in two areas, his defense, and then the other concern is going to be his back, uh, which it, you got to dig a little deeper. You, gotta be, you really got to be invested in the draft to know this because not everyone's pointing this out, but there are some issues and there are some concerns about his back. And as we, as we know about Michael Porter Jr., teams do not take back injuries lightly so that's going to be something to watch going forward but again i am a huge zan and musa fan because day one he's going to be able to contribute at a really high level offensively so that's where they are at the aggregate uh moving on to 22 dante divincenzo is who the aggregate has at 22 as far as picks are concerned i'm sticking with chandler hutchison here a player the aggregate had going at number 20 and as far as hutchison is concerned he'd be going to the bulls here and there is some talk that there's a promise to him and just given that steam and just given you're starting to get into the 20s and a lot of things are more of a mystery i'm going to stick with him here i'm not going to make a change there Moving on to pick 23, we have Keita Bates-Diop going at pick 23 to the Pacers. Uh, As far as the aggregate is concerned, at 23, they have the guy I just had go recently, which is Elia Kobo. Uh, But at 24, they do have Keita Bates-Diop. So this is definitely the value that we're starting to see with Keita Bates as far as he is concerned and drafts are concerned. There's a lot to like about Keita Bates-Diop. Initially, there were some reports he was going to go sooner. But with a guy like Bates-Diop, you start to see the importance of youth. Uh, Bates-Diop is an older player, very good, solid player. He is a player I thought was going to go to a team possibly like the Spurs earlier on in this process, but he's definitely started to drop and you're starting to see a jump on some of the younger players with that higher upside. But Giap's going to come in right away. He's not going to make a lot of mistakes. He's a really solid defender and he's going to be able to contribute from day one, which is something that the Pacers would definitely take as they were the surprise team of this past year. Moving on to the next pick, we are at pick 24, and that is the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, I have them taking Jacob Evans at 24. He is the small forward, six foot six out of Cincinnati. So Jacob Evans, that's not the player that they have on the aggregate. In fact, the aggregate has Jacob Evans at 35. So I'm a little higher on him than some others, although there are some drafts. For example, if we look at Jacob Evans on the aggregate, the ringer has the wolves taking him so he's a player that's kind of all over the place but i think people can agree that teams are definitely starting to really notice him and he has started to move up some boards uh at 25 we do look at the lakers and i'm going to stick with what i've heard in the past which is the promise they have possibly made to mitchell robinson here the center uh obviously did not go to college six foot eleven Looking at the aggregate, they agree. In fact, mo- uh, at least two of them have him going at 25 in the aggregate. The aggregate average number for Mitchell Robinson would be 28. Uh, looking at 26, actually, we'll start at 25. If you look at 25 where the Lakers are for the aggregate ranking, and then you move down the list, uh, you have at 25, my guy Kyrie Thomas, who I have going to the Wolves. At 27, or sorry, 26, you have DeAnthony Malton, 27, Josh Okoji. Mitchell Robinson is 28, Jerome Robinson is 29, and Melvin Frazier is at 30. So that's where we're at with the aggregate. In my mock draft, looking at pick number 26, we do go to the Sixers. I have them taking Melvin Frazier. 
Looking at pick number 27, uh, a player that has jumped up boards, but at least in my scenario, I don't think he's going to be as high as some people think. You know, we have talked about him as a potential for the Wolves, but having him available at 27, I really like the fit here just because of how good they are developing players. And that's the Celtics taking Dante DiVincenzo at pick 27. He's the, the solid guard out of Villanova. At pick 28, I have Landry Shamet, the point guard, going to Wichita State. Or from Wichita State going to the Warriors. I had him uh, in a more recent mock going to the Pacers. I have had him drop a little bit to a team that does, in fact, I think really need a point, another point guard for the future because you have some of the players that are starting to age, and I think it makes a lot of sense to have some depth at that position. <laughs> at 29, now... A player I struggled with uh, where he's going to go, like we talked about earlier, is Zion Musa. I'm going to stick with him here. Another name to watch, though, for the Nets would be Josh Okoji. He's a guy that started to jump up mock drafts, so I start to wonder if a team like the Nets would make that uh, little bit of a reach uh, for the player that's really starting to rise up boards here at 29. But in my mock, I will stick with Zion Musa. I just think that the ceiling is so high. Now, the floor needs a little work and obviously he had the back issues but I think he makes a lot of sense here for the Nets a a strong rebuilding team at 29 and then we end off mock draft 5.0 at Grayson Allen Uh, Grayson Allen going to the Hawks here at pick number 30 now if we look at the aggregate the aggregate definitely is not as high in Grayson Allen as I am they have him at 36 but as far as specific teams are concerned, uh, ESPN does have him going 30th to the Hawks, so they actually do agree in their most re- in their most recent mock draft. Again, you've been listening to Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. This is first quarter of the Howl. Uh, now we're going to move on to a draft interview, and that will, here we'll take a, a deeper dive into not only my mock draft, but also what the Wolves are looking at doing. And another team that uh, we will focus on a bit would be the the Utah Jazz, a team that Mark. Wallen is a fan of. All right. Continuing quarter one here on the Howl on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. We are now joined by Mark Wallen, who is the co-host of The Courtroom and also the co-founder of the 5x5.com. Mark, thanks for uh, taking some time to join us here tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Really appreciate you guys taking the time to have me on here. and uh, Excited to talk some NBA draft and basketball in general. So thanks for the time. Yeah, the uh, the draft is coming a lot faster than any of us really realize. Uh, you know, baseball just had their draft here a week or so ago, and and next up is basketball. And I think everybody's really excited to see what happens with an incredibly deep draft class. Uh, let's let's dive right in. Uh, what do you think the Utah Jazz are going to be looking to do here in this year's draft? Yeah, so the Jazz are in an interesting position. Obviously, they had a very interesting season this last year with Gordon Hayward leaving in the offseason, somewhat unexpectedly, you could say. And, uh, you know, obviously they had the draft last year where they were able to trade up and get Donovan Mitchell, and we all know how well that's worked out for them. But, you know, people forget back in December, the Jazz were eight or nine games under 500, looking like they were on the verge of another rebuild, especially in the wake of Gordon Hayward leaving. Uh, but they were able to make that incredible run to end the season, get back in the playoffs, and then, of course, had the first-round upset of Oklahoma City uh, before going on and losing to Houston in five games. And so you know, they have a lot of great things going for them, obviously having Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert having two uh, established stars moving forward has accelerated their timeline. 
Whereas before, you know, with Hayward leaving and with where they were looking in December, it looked like they were going to be in for a long haul rebuild. Uh, but with those two guys being your pillars and having some nice core pieces like uh, Ricky Rubio, uh, Joe Ingles, um, Jay Crowder, some of these other guys around under contract for at least one more season, they have a nice core that they're looking to add to, whether it be in the draft. Uh, and I would say in the draft, either via who they're picking in the draft or in a trade, I wouldn't be surprised if the Jazz are looking to shop the 21st pick to see if they can add another piece. Uh, there's been some talk that maybe Otto Porter out in Washington, he was someone the Jazz were interested in and met with in free agency uh, before he decided to ultimately sign with Brooklyn and uh, Washington matched his contract. But with Washington's situation there, you know, maybe they look to move him. They could use that pick in a deal where they could offer Washington some cap release. So something like that I could see them doing. But ultimately, if we're just talking the draft and we're just looking at draft picks, they really need someone to go alongside Ricky Rubio and Donovan Mitchell, especially Donovan Mitchell is another creator and shooter off the dribble. Um, they, they really just struggle, especially with Rubio being out in the playoffs, uh, relying on Donovan Mitchell as their number one primary guy. And so I think they could really look to add another wing or another guard who could help them in that regard. Um, and then other than that, they really need a stretch for uh, Jay Crowder in that trade that they had with Cleveland uh, to bring Jay Crowder over, you know, Crowder tried to help them with that. And Jerebko kind of filled in that role and stretched forth throughout the, uh, throughout the year a little bit as well, but they could really use another big guy at the four position. Uh, that's not a liability defensively, but can also knock down some shots. And that's going to be hard to find <laughs> regardless if it's in the draft or in free agency, but but yeah, I think those are two of the kind of primary things that they're looking for. More shooting, somebody else that they can play alongside Mitchell with, with shooting and handling the ball, taking some of that load off of him, and then also someone that can stretch the floor for uh, when they have Rudy Gobert out there. So let me ask your opinion on this. If if you're the front office of the Jazz, would you would you want to trade that pick? Uh, or if you think they can trade that pick, would you rather go for a guy that's maybe got a higher floor as opposed to a player with maybe like a higher ceiling, lower floor? Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, you know, to me, if I'm the organization with the Jazz and I'm looking at that draft pick, and, and you know, I think all things considered with with where the Jazz are at in terms of their roster, uh, in terms of their future, but then also you have to take into account just the reality of them being in a smaller market. Uh, and, and with that, having the struggles of attracting big-name free agents, I think, you know, if you have a chance to go out and get an auto porter or, you know, someone else that you really like and you feel like it'd be a really good fit in your team that's already a known commodity, I think you've got to go out and get that guy if that offer's on the table. Um, but with that being said, you know, if that offer's not there, I would be hesitant to move that pick for anything less than, you know, a, a guy of like an auto porter type caliber because you have Dennis Lindsay in your front office, then your front office is going to be making your draft pick. And with his history of, of drafting, especially later in the draft, you know, he's found, you know, Donovan Mitchell wasn't later in the draft, but he was outside the lottery. He found Rudy Gobert later in the draft, later in the first round. Uh, even a Rodney Hood, who, you know, he didn't work out here in Utah and ended up being a part of that trade for Jay Crowder. But, you know, he still brought an asset back in Jay Crowder. That's now uh, an important piece for for your team moving forward, you know. So he has this, he has a strong history of, of, of drafting well. So I think you know, if you can't find a guy that you really, really, really like in a trade that that's reasonable for you to make a move for, then I think you would just trust in Lindsay to make a pick at 21. 
And regardless of if that's a high floor or a high ceiling, low floor type player, like a high risk kind of a guy like an Anthony Simons or, you know, some of these more unknown players in the draft this year, or whether it's a Grayson Allen, a four-year player or something like that. I think you just trust Dennis Lindsay and his draft acumen to make the right pick and find someone like he has in the past that will really help your team moving forward. Are there any players uh, that, that, let's say, if you look at the names that are realistic where you guys are picking, are, they, are there any players that you really just want to stay away from? Maybe names where you're like, I don't like that fit, or maybe you just don't like the outlook of that player? Yeah, so the obvious ones are some of the big men that are more rim-running, rim-protection bigs that really can't space the floor. So like a Robert Williams the third, I know he's projected to go much higher in, in most drafts, but I kind of have him in that same tier uh, from about 17 to 30 uh, where the Jazz will be drafting. And, you know, so he, he's essentially a Rudy Gobert, Clint Capella type big. Uh, so, you know, any kind of a player like that wouldn't be a good fit. So uh, Robert Williams, uh, Mitchell Robinson, uh, those types of players, just doesn't make sense for the Jazz with, with Gobert there. Maybe as a as a backup big that could come in and help protect the rim when Rudy's off the floor. I think that's something that they need. But that's not their primary need heading into the draft and into the offseason. You know, they have Epe Udo uh, on the roster already. Uh, they have Tony Bradley, another uh, classic big man that they took last year in the draft. So, you know, any type of player like that wouldn't make sense. But other than that, I think, you know, the Jazz could really use help at any position. Uh, you know, point guard, shooting guard. Uh, small forward, like I mentioned earlier, stretch for, uh, you know, players like that, I think make a lot of sense. And there's a lot of those guys in that draft range where the jazz will be picking later in the draft. So I think they're in a great spot uh, to find someone like that uh, in this year's draft. Transitioning over to, so I had sent you a copy of my, my newest mock draft and we just uh, finished airing that uh, specifically looking at the jazz. First off, uh, what are your thoughts on who I have going there? Uh, the player, Elia Kobo. Yeah, I really like Kobo, and I, I know uh, for a fact that the Jazz have strong interest in him. They brought him in last year for a workout before he ultimately decided to go back and continue to play in Europe, and they just barely recently had him uh, back in for a workout this year. Uh, and from all the reports coming out of that workout, he went up again after any Simons, uh, Melvin Frazier Jr., uh, you know, Simon's, of course, being a little bit more unknown, but Frazier being a known commodity as a defender in college, one of the best on-ball defenders in this year's draft. Uh, and apparently he had an extremely good workout against both of those guys. You know, he's, it's, it's interesting because he's one of those guys that's, that's not being talked about a lot um, because he's getting overlooked by uh, other point guard or shooting guard or combo guard prospects in this draft, you know, Colin section, Trey young, Shai Gilgis, Alexander, those types of players. But, you know, Kobo is arguably the most complete point guard or combo guard prospect in the entire draft. He can, put the ball on the floor. He can dribble either hands. He can run the pick and roll. He can score out of the pick and roll, whether that be shooting it uh, when the defense goes under, or whether that be attacking a bit off of a hard hedge. He has that kind of quickness, that kind of ball handling. Uh, he's got pretty good size for a combo guard, especially as a point guard uh, standing about six, three with good length. He's a pretty good athlete, pretty good for step. He's a good decision maker. I mean, like he kind of has the complete package, right? Where some of these other guys, you know, you can kind of go through the list and you can find very specific weaknesses in their game, uh, whether that be physical or athletic attributes, whether that be decision-making, their shooting, uh, their defense, things of that nature. You know, Okobo kind of has all those things. Um, it, and he's a very smart player. And those are the types of guys that the Jazz or even a team like the Spurs uh, tend to lean more towards, especially the guard position. 
And, you know, especially with Okobo, because he does have that, that good size and athleticism, that shooting, they, the Jazz could use him off the ball in conjunction with Donovan Mitchell. Uh, probably not in the starting lineup, but as a guy that you can bring off the bench, you can have him run some of that pick-and-roll action on the weak side of the floor or the secondary pick-and-roll action after Mitchell drives or isos, uh, whether that's successful or not. But he could also make some spot-up shots off the dribble and help kind of space the floor uh, for Donovan Mitchell there. So, yeah, I mean, to me... That's that's one of the top guys for me uh, on my personal board for the Jazz. I think it'd be a great pick. It, it fits their draft history. It fits the type of guy that they look for in the draft. And I certainly don't think 21 is too high for him. I actually have him at 19th on my big board, and I've been considering uh, moving him up after the great season he's had and after hearing some of the things I've heard uh, coming out of his workout. So, so, yeah, I think that would be an awesome spot for him at 21. I don't know if he gets there. I, I have a feeling he might go a little bit earlier with with how well he's been working out. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I'm 100% on board with that pick for them. And I'm with you. I think when all is said and done, if he ended up being the better, the best point guard of this draft, you know, better than Trey Young, let's say better than Colin Sexton, that would not surprise me. Uh, but speaking of the rest of the draft, you know, and looking at my mock, is there anything that jumps off the page that you maybe disagree with in terms of player placement or player fit or in terms of, you know, how early someone's going or how late? Yeah, you know, so I think the first thing that jumped out to me, uh, well, it's really two things, but Michael Porter Jr. Uh, going number two to the Sacramento Kings and then Trey Young going number three to the Atlanta Hawks. I like both of those guys. To me, those are that's too high for them, especially when you have a Luka Doncic, you have a Mo Bamba and a Marvin Bagley, and even a Jaron Jackson Jr. still on the board. Um, so I was pretty surprised to see you have them ranked so high, but I, I was just interested to ask you, we can start with Michael Porter Jr. first at number two of the Kings, but why did you have him so high on your board? So, so I personally am a big Michael Porter Jr. fan, and I, I don't think they should take him at two. I also don't think they should take Trey Young at three. I think, you know, for my money, what I wanted to see, and I, I felt like it was a good fit, would be a guy like Michael Porter Jr. sliding to, let's say, the Cavs, and then Trey Young sliding to, I think, one of the better fits for him was the Magic. But then I started, I really started to see steam with the Kings being really big fans of Michael Porter. They already checked him out once. Uh, they're going to check him out again this week. And it sounds like if everything checks out, they might look to draft him at two. And so it's a little bit of a speculatory thing. And then same with Trey Young. I've started to see his name linked with the Hawks quite a bit, uh, multiple workouts. Uh, and they they like what he brings to the table in terms of, it sounds like being able to sell tickets. Uh, so again, I don't think he's the best player, but just that steam along with the fact that we're starting to hear that maybe some of the teams at the top aren't totally all in on Luka Doncic. And, and that's why I, I had this, uh, those two guys jump up a bit and then a guy like Doncic or, or even, you know, whether it's Mo Bomber or Jaron Jackson, you know, guys that I'm definitely higher on uh, sliding a bit. Interesting. Yeah. And that, and that makes a lot of sense. And I've definitely heard that talk too. You know, I think my thing with, with Michael Porter jr. Like theoretically he makes a lot of sense for the Kings other than maybe the fact that, you know, I, to me, he's more of a big, he's more of a four or a five than he is a three. And I think the Kings, you know, they already have that glut of young bigs. Yes. <laughs> on oh, roster, 100%, so it, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, it would, it would make more sense to look elsewhere there, especially with, with who's on the board. But I mean, at the same time, like you do look who's on the board of that position and other than Luca, they're all big guys. Right. So it's like, if they don't like Luca, 
then they should either be trading back or they should just take Michael Porter Jr. Right. And then hope he can play more of a three, four than a four five or something like that. Right. Yeah. But, and that was, that was my thinking at that point. But, but again, I, I don't agree with them taking him there necessarily. I agree with you. I think there's better fits. It just seems like that's kind of the direction they're starting to look. And that's why I speculated with it here. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that makes total sense. And then, yeah, you know, and again, kind of same thing with the Hawks. You know, I, I love Trey. To me, other than Akoba, I think he's, you know, arguably the most complete point guard prospect. But just with his size and his total lack of effort on defense, you know, I think that's a huge concern, especially if you watch the playoff. It's just hard to see how Trey Young is a contributor in a, in a, in a positive fashion on a playoff team or on a good team. Uh, just with his deficiencies and his size and his athleticism and his defense, unless he's like a Steph Curry type offensive player. And I just don't know if he can ever get to that point, uh, you know, for a number of reasons, but, but yeah, I mean, those, those were kind of the two big things that jumped out to me. Um, just some other things that I saw that I really, really liked uh, on, on your mock draft here. So uh, I really love McCall Bridges, obviously going to Philadelphia. I, I also love Colin Sexton going to the Cavs. I think Sexton actually makes a ton of sense for the Cavs. He gives them a little bit of both uh, of, of, uh, of what they're looking for, regardless of what LeBron decides to do, right? Like if, if LeBron leaves, Colin Sexton's a nice piece to have and to build around as a competitive guy as someone who you can uh, give leadership to. Uh, but if LeBron stays, then he gives you a guy that LeBron can play off a little bit and, you know, you can put the ball in Sexton's hands. Uh, and that's what LeBron has publicly stated that he's wanted. So to me, that's, that's who I think would be the best for the Cavs personally. Uh, so I really like that pick there, but, uh, but yeah, other than that, I think, you know, we could, we could debate semantics about a lot of other things, but uh, for the most part, those were kind of the big things that jumped out at me, but I was interested in one more pick where it was Kyrie Thomas at number 20 in Minnesota. And I know you're kind of a Minnesota guy. So I was interested to hear your thoughts on why you would uh, take Kyrie there. Cause to me, that's a little high for Kyrie Thomas, but, but what was kind of your thinking there with him going to the, to the Wolves at 20? So I love what he brings to the table. His defense uh, is a big thing for me. I love his defense. Now, again, I wish he, I wish he was a little taller, but, but if he was taller, he'd be going sooner because he does have that nice wingspan, which really helps him on the defensive end. And then his ability to hit shots uh, he can hit from three. Those are just defense and three point shooting are things. I think the wolves need in spades on top of that. He's a slightly older prospect. And, and for me, part of the issue you run into with Tom Thibodeau is he just doesn't like playing rookies. You know, that's kind of a historic right, thing. Yeah. And so I'm thinking a guy like Kyrie Thomas, would fit a lot of the things that Tom Thibodeau looks for in a player. And I'm, I'd be hopeful that he could actually get some minutes right off the bat and maybe be a little more successful in that Jamal Crawford type role where he's like that, that bench guard, uh, you know, Jamal Crawford, the issue you ran into when he was here is you don't get a lot of defense uh, and you kind of got spotty three point shooting. So Kyrie Thomas would hopefully fill that void now that Jamal Crawford's gone and maybe fill that role even a little better than he did. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that makes total sense. And that was, going to be one of my my points and when i ask that is you know is, is he a guy that Thibodeau is going to play <laughs> right? yeah that's always I the mean, issue yeah exactly so but yeah i mean i could see that being an older player and i definitely agree that the, that the wolves need some more shooting and they do need an upgrade over jamal crawford who's definitely on the downslope of his career so i could definitely see that making some sense i actually think you know on your mock you have lonnie walker dropping down to 15 uh, to the Wizards. I actually think Lonnie Walker would be like a dream fit for Minnesota if they could find him. I'm a huge fan of Lonnie. He's a guy that can make some shots. I think his defense is very underrated. He's super athletic. 
he plays hard. I know he's a little bit younger, so maybe Thibs wouldn't be all about that, but he does kind of fit that Thibs mold in the sense that he's very athletic, can put the ball in the basket. I think he was misused at Miami University quite a bit. I, it was just hard for me to watch him in Miami because he just hardly ever had the ball. They did no, no favors in helping him succeed this year. Uh, so I think he could really be someone that could really step his game up in the NBA, especially with NBA space, with his quick first step and his shooting ability and his ability to finish at the rim. So I think if Lon, a guy like Lonnie falls all the way to 15, it'd be interesting to see if Minnesota maybe uh, try to make a move to trade up and get him because I think Lonnie would be you know, a much better prospect long-term and in the short-term even than a guy like Kyrie. And if that's only five picks up, you know, I think that'd be worth the, for the Bulls to inquire about. Mark, let me ask you on one uh, that some mock drafts have the Wolves taking and a guy that I'm a huge fan of, and I, I may be a little biased, but I've watched a lot of his games. Uh, Troy Brown from Oregon, um, another young guy, but, uh, you know, looking at looking at some of his tapes, he's he's a very explosive kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and actually in my notes uh, that I, that I kind of put together and prep for this, he was actually the guy that I, I said in my head and on, and on paper is probably the ideal fit for, for Minnesota, other than the fact that he just can't shoot. Right. Um, if, you, if you go back and you look at his shooting numbers, he really, really struggled this year, whether it was off the dribble, he was a little bit better in spot up shooting, but really not that much better. I mean, that's obviously the big flaw in his game. And then also, you know, other than, his, his inability to shoot, he's, he's not that great of an athlete. Now he can move his feet laterally pretty well. He's a pretty good defender in that sense, but he has a really slow first step. He's not a guy that can go create and beat you off the dribble. And he's also not a vertically explosive athlete at the combine. He only measured, I believe it was a 33 inch vertical. That's comparable to guys like shake Milton, uh, you know, a Trey young who are, who are often notched for, for not being explosive enough. And, and uh, especially vertically, in that sense. And, you know, his size and length helps him in that regard a bit. Um, and especially in his ability to finish around the rim. If you go back and look at synergy numbers, you know, Troy Brown was in the 82nd percentile in his uh, scoring attempts at the rim. And, you know, so that kind of helps put away some of those concerns of his inability to explode to the basket, to play above the rim. But again, you know, it, even though he's big and long and that does help him, you know, in college, he can get away with that a lot better than he could or he will be at the NBA level and everyone's more athletic and bigger and longer and stronger than he is. So, you know, I think that is a huge concern, that combination of not being able to shoot and not being able to finish at the rim. Um, so I think you have to keep those things in mind. But, but like you mentioned, he's super young. He's only 18, about to turn 19. He's, he's got a great NBA body, great size, great strength. He's a good defender. And then he's a very high basketball IQ player. He's very good at putting the ball on the floor. He can run the pick and roll. The only problem is if he he can't shoot in the pick and roll, that's what he's going to be able to do for a team is going to be very limited because the defense is just going to go under every single time. And if he can't knock down a shot when the D is going under, then his ability to add value to your offense is not going to be that high. He's also an above average rebounder for a guard and a wing. So, I mean, he does some nice things. And I think he's a Thibodeau type player, especially with his defense, his toughness, his, his basketball IQ, things of that nature. But, but yeah, I mean, so it, it makes a lot of sense, but you know, you really have to question whether or not he'll be able to make it in the NBA without being able to shoot the ball better and without being able to finish at the rim. So kind of moving on the opposite side of things, a guy who's been known for pretty good shooting, but has had some more off the court or even on the court issues, I guess, if you will, uh, Grayson Allen, uh, there are some reports in the Minnesota media that, uh, uh, he could very well be 
the guy that the Wolves take here. Um, what what are your thoughts on Grayson Allen? Where do you think he falls? Is is he a first round pick, or do you see him maybe sliding into the second round? Yeah, well, I'm actually really really happy that you brought him up because I've uh, I've actually been at, so I'm here in the Utah Jazz market. I, I'm based out of Salt Lake City and. And I've actually been telling people here that Grayson Allen would be a great pick at 21. And a lot of people have been very opposed to it for the reasons that you've mentioned, you know, his personality on the court, uh, his on court incidents with the tripping and with having the, the kind of the freak out on the bench at one point in time. And, you know, he's a very polarizing figure, but at the end of the day, if you just kind of break it down and look at him as a player, he's very, very talented. I mean, he tested extremely well at the NBA draft combine. Uh, he's, he's an elite athlete. He was off the charts in all the athletic testing there. He has pretty good size for a combo guard. And then just skill wise, you know, he's very skilled. He's a good shooter. He's a smart player. He can pass the ball. He can put the ball on the floor. He's not great in creating an isolation situation, but he's a guy, you know, in comparison and contrast to Troy Brown that we just talked about, he's a guy that you can trust to run the pick and roll. And if if guys go under the screen or defenders go under the screen on him, he can hit that shot and make defensive pay. But at the same time, if they don't and it opens up passing lanes, then he's smart enough and a good enough passer that he can get the ball to where it needs to go. Right. And so, you know, he's, I think he makes a lot of sense for a team that's looking for a guy that can come in and contribute right away, has NBA athleticism, has NBA size, has NBA shooting, has NBA basketball IQ. I mean, there's a lot there to like, and, you know, even if you look at the encore incidents with him that people always knock him for, it's not like the guy is a bad dude, right? It's not like he's a locker room problem. He's not having problems with his teammates. He's not having problems with the coaches. He's proven that he can play with other NBA level talents with all the different talents that have gone through there throughout the years that he's been at Duke. He's obviously given up a larger role in that regard. And he's been able to defer to those guys. You know, he had, people forget he had a killer sophomore season where he averaged you know, 20 points a game and just look like an amazing absolute star in the making. And then these other high level NBA players came in and he took a step back, you know, working with Kennard, working with the guys this year, like Wendell Carter with Bagley. And so you've seen him play with other NBA talents and you, you can see how he can fit in with them. And he's not going to be a guy coming in with an attitude. I think he'll be a, a, a good, a good guy to have in your locker room. And I think he's a player that when you look at him, he's someone you want to have on your team, but you'd be, you know, you'd probably hate to have him on the opposing team. So like a Joe Ingles, for example, here on the Utah Jazz, everyone here loves him. But, you know, if he was on, a, on, on another team or you weren't a fan of the Jazz, you'd absolutely hate him because he's always talking trash. He's always playing physical. He's getting up in people's faces. But I think that's more of what Grayson Allen is rather than, you know, being a problem uh, of, a, of, a, of a person or having personality issues or off-court problems that sometimes people think. So I think there's some bias against him that make people think he's not a first round pick. But to me, if you just look at his total profile, the complete package of skill that he brings with that NBA athleticism, to me, he's obviously a first round pick. I haven't ranked at number 22 uh, on the board. I think he'd be an awesome fit for the wolves. And, you know, I know when he came in and worked out for the Utah jazz that they were super, super impressed with him. And, uh, you know, I think for the jazz, even at 21, I think he's one of their top targets. So, yeah, I, I, it wouldn't be totally out of question to me either that he would uh, definitely be a real option for the Wolves at, uh, at number 20, and I think Thibodeau would actually like him quite a bit. So uh, so got time for one more question for you here. Again, you're listening to Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel and The Howl. Uh, we are joined by uh, Mark. Again, you can find him 
on the courtroom. He is the co-host of the courtroom and also the co-founder of the five by five.com. Uh, so before we let you go, who are some of your, your favorite sleepers in this draft, if you will? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. I, I really like this draft. I've really have dug into this draft and you know, it's pretty deep. It's a lot deeper than people thought it would be initially. Um, you know, I, there's, there's plenty of guys in the first round or the late first round that you could say are sleepers. Um, so I guess it kind of de- depends on how you define a sleeper in the draft, but just some guys that I personally really like, I really like Jerome Robinson from Boston college. He's a, he's a six foot six, six foot five ish guard, pretty athletic and really just shoot the ball flat out. He can go and get your buckets. I think he's a guy that if put in the right situation could really surprise some people. And, you know, I, I was kind of telling people all year, he's a top 20 guy in this draft. And it just recently, uh, the consensus on him has seemed to kind of pick back up on that. And he's now been moved up in checking the top 18 on draft Express's most recent mock draft. But, you know, so he's getting the recognition now, but to me, he's still a guy that I think is a sleeper and could really surprise some people. I, we talked about Grayson Allen. I really love him. Uh, Morvitz Wagner from Michigan. I think people are sleeping on him as an NBA prospect as a stretch four. There's a lot of things that remind me of Jonas Jarebko of his game. And I, I'm not just saying that because they're both white foreign guys that like to shoot the ball and they're big, but, uh, but you know, he's, he's a pretty skilled player. He plays hard. Uh, he's been impressive in workouts from what I've heard. I have him ranked at number 23. I think he's a first round pick in this year's draft. Uh, you know, I know most people have him in the second round, but you know, if he's a guy you can get early in the second round, I think he definitely is a first round talent. So I think that would be a big steal for people, but some more kind of deep sleepers, uh, more like second round guys that I really like. Uh, there's actually a foreign guy, a big guy from Iceland, uh, Trigvi Liansen. He just announced today at the international withdrawal deadline that he's staying in the draft. He's a big seven footer. Uh, he hasn't been playing basketball for very long, almost like a Rudy Gobert type story. Uh, but he can really move for a seven footer. He's offensively developing his skill set right now. Uh, he's a good rim protector, good rebounder, can set good screens. I think if you can get a guy like that in the second round, I think he could be really, really interesting as well. And then one other name I'll throw out there, Chemezi Mitu from USC. Uh, I know he's had some on-court issues and some people have some question marks about his personality, but he, again, similar to Grayson Allen, he's an NBA athlete. And every time I watch one of his games, he made NBA plays like two or three times a game. And even for most of the first round picks in this year's drafting and every draft you watch them, and it's hard to see them or, you know, it's not common for them to make NBA caliber plays even once, let alone multiple times per game. And he was a guy, every time I watched him without fail, two or three times made an NBA caliber play. And that's mostly due to his athleticism. But he also has a budding skill set where he can shoot the ball a little bit for a big. He's a guy that can play either the four or the five. He can protect the rim. He can switch on the perimeter for a big. Uh, which is very, very important in today's game. He's a pretty good rebounder. He's an underrated passer. I think he's kind of a guy that's been lost in the shuffle, but I actually had him projected as a lottery pick uh, before the season started. He's kind of fallen down my board due to some of those personality questions. But to me, you know, I have him ranked at 33, but I still think he has first round talent upside. And so I think if you can get a guy like that in the right situation, he's someone that could really surprise people. So those are a couple of guys, I think in the second round that aren't being talked about enough but I really like his sleepers in this draft. All right. Once again, uh, Mark Wallen, Mark, thank you so much for joining us uh, again. You can find them on the courtroom or go check out the website, the five by five.com. 
Mark, once again, thanks again so much for joining us tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again. I appreciate it. Coming up quarter two on the howl, we have our interview with Jordan from Go96.3. He's also the producer on the new Dwine L. Roland tra- uh, album, Young Roland. Uh, he is coming up quarter two. You are listening to Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel, and this is The Howl. Quarter two of The Howl here on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel, and we are joined by... Jordan, you may know him as Tornado Jelly. Oh God! <laughs> back in the day, intern Jordan. Oh Lord, we're going, we're going way back. But Man. Jordan is joining us from Go 96.3. He is the new assistant music director. Thank you, thank you uh, for Go 96. He's a producer, and uh, according to his Twitter bio, he is still the official on-stage Snapchatter for the rotation. Always. Thanks for joining us, man. Appreciate Dude, it. Thank you for having me. I was supposed to come through like six months ago. And I yeah. totally <laughs> forgot to text you. So. It's it's a long time coming, but we. Finally, we're able to yes. lock you down for a little bit here. Uh, so first off, I mean, we got to talk. We had Dwayne L. Roland in a couple weeks ago ahead of the new album release. Yes. And you produced a couple tracks for him. Yeah, man. The one, thank you for supporting Young Roland on all streaming services right now. Uh, yeah, I've produced a couple beats for him. I do a lot of behind the scenes marketing. Idea. I'm like, the, I'm his idea bouncer. Okay. And uh, and like, that's my one of my best friends. I met him at a Big Sean show at First Ave back in, I couldn't even tell you, 2011, and we've been best friends ever since. So we, we basically act as a sounding board for each other creatively. So the, yeah, the beats are cool. I mean, I haven't been since radio has taken over my life, and I haven't been able to produce the way I have been. Yep. But to have a couple beats on my best friend's album that's getting received incredibly well is beyond even my wildest oh, comprehension. Yeah. So. so were these were these the first two beats that you had on an album in general? Like, or how long have you been making beats? Uh, these, these are my. I've been I've been making beats long. That I've been doing radio. I was making beats okay. since I was a junior in high school, and that's kind of how I got started. I got kind of I was in the hip hop scene, like here in the Twin Cities, for a little bit, producing for a lot of people. And then I just I just latched on with Jamari, and that's when we started working together a lot. And then as the radio took over, I had less time to de- devote to beats. But I'm a musician first and foremost. I think that's what gives me a good ear for radio is because I can talk about I'll, I'll come out with a song and I'll be talking about like oh the different music theory concept in it. I think people appreciate that when they can put it in layman's terms. So I, I, I hear I hear music theoretically, and I, I I will always have a creative urge. But I think it's more of a hobby than a pursuit nowadays. I mean, it's 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 gotten a lot of rave reviews especially uh uh, michael barton is the track i think that i've seen (laughs) at least the most interaction with on twitter yes Um, seeing uh uh commenting on and and responding to tweets on uh but you have michael barton and then go which is fitting obviously well so michael barton is my that's my childhood best friend i met him in preschool actually okay and he was there when i found the sample just that drum sample a very small part of the beat and so i just named it michael barton and then that was that was i made that beat in 2013 okay so it's been sitting around for no 2014 it's been around for a while i made go pretty recently okay so it's funny how my two projects are one my company name and then two yeah exactly (laughs) my childhood best friend so we're gonna have both of those tracks uh coming up at halftime of the show tonight so if you if you don't know what we're talking about you'll get the chance to listen uh uh, just a a great album overall um we know that dwynell put a lot of work into it i know you you know like you said you've been sitting on that beat for a few years now and man we've been sitting on that entire album for a few years i've been (laughs) control it like the lead single we've been listening to that at least in my personal playlist for the last last year and a half so i'm happy people are that's absolutely crazy uh so let's let's get into 
real quick, let's get into the the, the Go96 stuff because you just yeah. got a promotion here recently. Congratulations yep. on you. that. Thank you, man. Uh, assistant music director now. Yes. How did you get started in radio? All right, so I started um, I started at the promotions department at the Top 40 station here in the Twin Cities, KDWB. Yep. I did that for a little bit, and then I got to know some of the on-air personalities, Steve O'Dave, Fallon, uh, Lucas, when he was there. And they're like, hey, you, you kind of got, you're funny, quote unquote. You should, you should yep. hang out with some on-air people. <laughs> like, whatever, cool, I'll do some on-air stuff. And I was going to uh, college at Bethel University at the time. I was, I'll, I'll do radio. It seems like a cool way to get my marketing internship out of the way. So, and then about halfway through like my on-air internship, I kind of figured, you know what? I'm going to ride this until I fail. Because why not? Yeah. This is, the radio is a cool job, so yep. I'm going to keep doing it. So then I, I did the on-air stuff at KUB. Uh, I was intern Jordan on the Dave Ryan in the Morning Show, which in hindsight blows Way my back mind. In the day. Blows my mind. <laughs> the Dave Ryan in the Morning Show, like one of the biggest morning shows in the yep. country, and I'm out here just... Was it like 25 years they just celebrated? Yeah, I think it's 25 years on that's, the air. Dave that's Ryan. crazy for a morning show. There was only three months of my life where he was not on the air in the Twin Cities. <laughs> God, that makes that makes me feel old too. Like no. I'm, I'm 27. Like that's so I was born two years before the Dave Ryan show yeah. started. And like and just just a national powerhouse. And I learned from that dude. And then I worked at K Fan for a little bit, which we almost had some overlap. Yep. Yeah, because I was there. Gosh, 2012. Or be, no, beginning of 2013, like February of 13, until I moved out to Montana. So February through November, huh. I was I was on the I was on the morning the morning show there. Man, so we definitely had some overlap. I yeah. just never saw you. Yeah, because I remember I remember walking down the hall to go talk to Dylan when he was still there. <laughs> yep. And then uh, uh, you knew Pete. Yep. And I went to school with Pete. Yep. Um, so yeah, there was there was a little bit of overlap there over at iHeart. Yes, yeah, so I did. I did the K fan thing for a little bit. Promotions. I was a yep. marketing uh, major, so okay. that was like my, my bread and butter. And then I went back on official. As the assistant producer of the Dave Ryan show, I just assistant. I just assist <laughs> my job. Now, I love Top 40s music, but I didn't like the. I like I like I like Bieber. I like Katy Perry, right? But there's something about Top 40s music that or Top 40s radio that I did not like. The same ten songs over yep. and over again. And this is no shots at Katy. This is no shots at any station that does that. It's the way that's been for the last thirty years. So yeah. why why break the rules when it's working for them? But I wanted to see well, what else is out there. And I saw Go pop up in January 2015. I was an intern at the time. I'm like, what is this station? They're playing everything, and like they were the alternative channel. I, I, I'm a hip hop and alternative guy. So I looked at this all channel like, hey, that's a pretty sweet station and then they got the hip hop channel a year later I was like yo these are my two genres like I listen to Weezer and Kanye <laughs> back to back my entire day <laughs> and uh, I was like I need to be over there so I applied for about a year and because I wasn't good enough yet to get hired so I kept applying I'd send an air check like every two months and it was just god awful it was bad but they kept like hey work on this work on this and like they were mentoring me on as to how to be a personality while I was learning the ropes of radio from some of the best so I was getting feedback from <laughs> competitors so you got, you just got top-notch training all the way through, basically. Man, uh, I, I mean, I learned from Dave Ryan. I learned from Peter Parker. And I learned from uh, Miles, who uh, now is the, the music yep. director of K-Rock, which is like the biggest alt station in the country. You're out so, in L.A., right? Yeah. Yep. And so to, to learn from a hip-hop legend, an alt legend, and a morning show legend, it's like, okay, I, I have, I'm getting these tools to do something. So the, I'm not particularly talented at anything, but I try to listen <laughs> and I work hard. So, that, And that's, that's all that matters, in all honesty. And uh, I mean, we... We've had Peter Parker on the show here. Uh, what was that, season one, Rob? 
I want to say was that or was that yeah season one so uh, definitely a, a phenomenal guy great at what he does knows his Man. stuff like that's there's there's no three better people to learn from in the in the business I totally agree like, I, I just got goosebumps thinking about like the, the, the investment <laughs> like, and Fallon and Steve are from the Dave Ryan show too yep. I can't I couldn't discount like learning from just like as top notch people. Yeah, yeah. I rode the I rode the elevator up with Fallon every morning when yes. I interned because I couldn't get in the building because I wasn't cool enough to have like the key card <laughs> to get in. But she would always come let me in, so I, I got to ride the elevator with her every morning. That was I got I got my little tidbits from that. Yo, she is a light in the universe. Fallon she, is she's great. Everybody, fantastic. I mean, everybody that that I've encountered at KDWB at. You know, with with even with Go, I mean, working with Peter Parker and and those guys. Uh, you know, I've met Jimmy two times, a couple times. Ah, uh, well. James like, Double Clocks. Great, great guys, great people to work yes. with. It's it's phenomenal. Let's let's switch gears here and let's right. get into everybody's favorite sport in the whole wide world. Yes, basketball. Yeah. As you sit here rocking this '94 Miami Heat playoff shirt that I'm super <laughs> envious of, and when I when I saw your tweet that you had bought a bunch, I went on to eBay and I started looking myself. I haven't made any purchases yes. yet, but I highly recommend eBay for all your your vintage NBA shirt or whatever. But let's let's be let's be real about uh, vintage apparel. I think it's the NBA and the MLB comes close. Yes, that's about it. Because I like and, and well, and it's it's one two on the on the jersey scene too. Because if you look at like the old school NBA jerseys, like back before they changed a bunch of the the regulations, I had a, um, a website that I used to go to to get all of my old school jerseys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have an old school Sharif Abdul Rahim Grizzlies Hard. jerseys. Uh, I have a Vince Carter like the purple Raptors jersey, yep. the Jason Williams Kings jersey with like the the third one with the checkerboard on the side. Yeah. Yep, yep. Like I got all of those. You can but, find those on eBay, man. No, not it, for not for twelve dollars with free shipping. Yeah, but you don't you don't want the, <laughs> those phonies? They don't fit right. Oh, you know, they fit me you, perfectly. No, they don't, dude. I guarantee you. You want those authentics? I'll send you some of my my uh, yeah, my plugs. Me, send, me, send me some links. Full moon it. jerseys. I is need one of them because I got now. I have. Uh, um, I ended up getting my Boban Marjanovic Spurs <laughs> jersey, and then he was uh, not re-signed by the Spurs two months later. So That's it kind of crushed me on the inside. That's but fine. the Wolves. Have a crazy off season coming up. Yeah, uh, you and I have talked. I'm. I mean, Twitter is is in season now, if you will, for the NBA family. I'm seeing everything from LeBron going to the Knicks to the Wolves are going to trade Wiggins. I mean, it's it's absolutely crazy. What are your thoughts on the Wolves season, just as, as last season as a whole? I mean, so many expectations. Yeah. And I know your timeline, you're blowing everything up, too, as, yeah. as we go through the season. <laughs> what were your thoughts on how the season ran with Man. Uh, with, with Butler and with everybody? I, I think, uh, I think uh, I, if you follow me on Twitter, you'll know that I'm no fan of one Tom Thibodeau, I, I, he's already a family member of the show, yeah, Rob. I just, I, I can't <laughs> handle it. I didn't think Sam Mitchell, Mitchell is that bad of a coach. I think Tom Thibodeau coaches like it's 2009. I think he GMs like it's 2009, and it's a problem. It's a problem. I was very disappointed with the season, even though we, we broke a 14 year drought, only because the team was, it didn't seem cohesive. You feel me? Yep. It seemed like it seemed like we we're trying to jam a squ- like a round peg into a square hole, and I'm happy for the success. And that's all because of. Let's be real here. It's all because of the players being able to because I don't think I don't think the the I don't think the the system didn't didn't do the players any favors. How quickly though should I mean I'm I'm on Twitter all the time. Tom Thibodeau couldn't be out of here quick enough for my money. 
Oh, yeah. I, mean, I can't wait for them to get rid of him. And if it wasn't for the fact that he's getting paid way too much, too there's no way they'd keep him. Because you hear every day it seems like another story comes out where some players like, I, 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 this is the worst season I've ever had. Like Jamal Crawford, if you saw that story, he's like, I don't want to be here. And he already, you know, he passed up $5 million just to get away from the guy. I mean, could you, and then with the whole stuff about like the whole cat thing, like if, if that, the worst case scenario, this is if all hell breaks loose, which it yeah. very well could be. We lose cat, we lost Levine, we lose Chris Dunn. Mm-hmm. And we're stuck with the Wiggins. That sets the franchise back seven years. It's frustrating. It's really frustrating. I was I was okay with letting Chris Dunn go. I wasn't a fan of drafting him in the first place. But yeah. like Levine, man, I, I think like Levine and and Cat were closer than anybody here realized. Anybody not named Zach Levine or Carl Anthony Towns really realized. And I think that's right, so. even though it brought Jimmy Butler here. Which I absolutely love, Jimmy Butler. But yes. like, I think that I think that honestly hurt us more in the long run than it did any good. Okay, I mean, how long. how can you front on getting Jimmy Butler? You have to give up a lot to get Jimmy Butler. You do, and Jimmy Butler is great. I love the guy. And this is not, this is this is aside from Jimmy. I'm fine. I'm fine with the trade. I think it could be devastating if what materializes, what seems to be in the you know the the geyser. <laughs> like do, you, do you think Jimmy stays when his contract is up? It depends, man. But so if he doesn't, doesn't that make you look back at that trade and go, this sucks? Because no. Because you, you got rid of Levine. You got rid of no, – I don't like Dunn either, but there was value there. You got rid of Lowry Markkinen is who they ended up taking with that top pick. Yeah. I hope they find a way to keep him. But the problem you run into now is there's rumors out there that him and Tom Thibodeau are tied together. And it's like, do you, would you be willing to keep Tom Thibodeau just to keep Jimmy? That's tough. No, but also think about the Timberwolves. We've never been in this situation where we could – where we traded for a super star you know and that, that's and this, the nice thing and there's the risk of having a superstar so i've kind of i've accepted that you know sure. this, this yeah. is the ride we have to take that's that's a good point so be it that's a good point i mean minnesota sports in general we you know with the exception of uh parisian suitors signing with the wild uh although with, that didn't go real well, <laughs> well no but i mean but at, but at the time that was that was massive that was the thing that was that mm-hmm. was the the huge thing because a lot of free agents tend to skip over minnesota we were called the flyover state for a reason mm-hmm. and so i mean next to that jimmy butler coming to Minnesota and and the Wolves being able to trade for it was a was a huge moment. I think a lot of Minnesota fans don't necessarily fully realize that, you know, we had to trade for a superstar and you got to give up a lot, but at the same time, you look at what Lowry Markkinen's done. You look at even in the small sample size of what Chris Dunn has done in his time in Chicago. And Levine is obviously working back from a devastating injury. The way he grows, though, like year after year, Levine gets better. Well, so exactly. He's going to be a superstar. So, and so at that point, you wonder, was the superstar trade actually worth it? Well, the key for me is is if Justin Patton works out. Because if he works out long term, then you're like, well, it didn't hurt us that much. You got Jimmy Butler, plus you got another piece. And I think if you're Jimmy Butler, are you really going to turn down that large contract from the Wolves if they're still be successful? I don't. I mean, I think if Jimmy Butler is successful here, he'll stay. I hope so. My I mean, God, I hope that's so. the optimist in me. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I just, I, and then I, I didn't feel good about the Ricky Rubio thing, only because if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Are you? I were you a Rubio I fan? I was a massive. I Rubio hated fan. the Rubio. We trade. love Rubio, and nothing yeah. against Jeff Teague. He seems like an okay guy, but man, Rubio is my guy. It was a, la- it was a lateral Rubio. move to go to Jeff Teague. We we're paying more money for a guy that could possibly shoot, but no defense. Like and Rubio's Rubio defense is so good. Man, I yeah. remember, the, remember that a couple years ago we beat the Heat. I remember Rubio like spotted up on LeBron. Yes. And, yes. and yeah, and, and no, Rubio does it all, man. That was frustrating so, for me. He's better with the Jazz though, because he he because Butler requires a lot of ball time. 
time, yep. right? And and true, Wiggins yep. requires a lot of ball time. Whereas you know, with the Jazz, Rubio can just he can run and gun. He fits better with the Jazz. And the Jazz look. The Jazz were so much fun to watch when Rubio was healthy. God. Him and Donovan Mitchell, but Rudy Gobert. Do you think, do you oh, think that, that Ricky needed the ball time? No, he needs like, to be, he needs to distribute. Whereas well, exactly, Jimmy, and so and so you can go. I mean, that that was the thing that I was saying leading up to the trade is if you look at what this team has, you already have Wiggins and Cat. Who yes, those two need the ball more. You add Jimmy to the mix. Why would you get rid of Ricky Rubio when you need a distributor for those three? You don't Tom need Thibodeau a point guard. That's Tibbs, man. He did, he did, he coaches like we're gonna set we're, since two thousand nine, which is when Tom Thibodeau was popping as a coach. Right. Keep in mind that's nine years ago. That's a right. decade. Yeah. People don't realize okay. how yeah. long ago that. Was. Let's be real. He has so much respect. Whatever. Screw that. Like, this is not this is not the setup. The, and I get where everyone's running and gunning now. The, sure. league, the yeah. league runs a gun. So when they go left, we go right. The like the, the half court yep. offense. Yep. I understand that. It. When you you tried to do it, Tom, with Rubio, it didn't work, and then you kind of it didn't work. It didn't work. Yeah. You, you, what, what Tom is not his defense is not good. The, the scheme doesn't no, work. No, they're not better. The offense is stale. It's boring. We get very much, and there's a lot of there's a lot of long twos being shot. A lot of isolation basketball. Yeah, you yeah. don't take a lot of threes. But he not? refuses to embrace modern basketball. If which you're not sucks. shooting threes or dunks, threes and dunks, the only shots I want in the modern. I mean, modern there's NBA. a reason the Houston Rockets are so good. They take no twos mid range. It's either inside. Or threes. That's all. And that's why it needs to be. And it, and it works it for them. It works for them really well. The Wolves are trying to bring in shooters. Uh, I know Darren Wilson tweeted um, about them bringing in a bunch of guys, and one of the names I liked was Hollis Thompson. Yeah, back from like mm-hmm. the Sixers days. Wow. Um, right. That's yeah. A, yeah. I was like Hollis Thompson. Yeah, that's that's go. a name that I like to see. But I, I just I don't see the Wolves going anywhere that that makes it worthwhile with Tom Thibodeau as the head coach. Well, so the question I always ask people, I'll ask you this, is is there anything he can do in this next season that would make you want him to stay here long term? And I would argue there isn't. And if that's the case, you got to cut ties now. I, w- I mean, I just don't like him as a guy. Well, that too. That's, that's part of it. But just professionally, like if you're Glenn Taylor and you say to yourself, what could this guy do to convince me he's the long-term answer? I, short of winning a championship or making a run, which I don't think either one of those in the West is probably going to happen. So you go into it saying, well, he's not the guy then. Yeah. Uh, top, I, top two seed Western Conference Finals run right? at a minimum. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's not happening at this level because you look at Golden State, you look at Houston, those are the two favorites year in and year out in the West. Yeah. Everybody else, everybody else is is fighting for spots. So that's my that's my question is I, I feel like he should be you should move on from him then, especially when you have all these people. You heard did you hear about the the rumor about the the computer monitor going oh, through the yes. window? Yeah. And it's not true, but the fact that employees would make that up just because they want him gone. If you own a business, you shouldn't want that guy in your business. No. He's a hothead. Yeah, you it's crazy tell. to me. It's just—he's—I'm a big vibe guy. I'm one of those hipster. Feel the energy. No, I, I get it. I get the it. energy in the Target Center is not the same. There's no cohesive. On, there's no cohesion with the team. And even when we were losing, it was fun to watch because, like, all, you know, yes. four times a At game. At least it was exciting. Rubio and Levine would break out. I'm like, yeah. and yep. you know, but we're hardcore basketball fans. I know they want the casual fans to come in. That's the marketing of it. And Tom Tibble is the guy, but he's always yelling. I don't see him doing anything. When I was sitting courtside, oh, good for me. Yep. <laughs> oh, I, I remember. 
remember I remember seeing you on yeah, TV at that that's game. That's right. Yeah, I, was, I tweeted. Yeah, because you were you were uh, who were you with that night? You I was with me? Peter Miles and our new guy Reed yep. from '96. Yep. And I was wearing my Ariana Grande hoodie the first day I had it. I was Love so it. jacked. <laughs> it was on TV. I was wearing an Ariana Grande hoodie. But uh, Jimmy Butler was the coach. Andrew messed up. He goes, Andrew, get off the fucking court. Like, right? Jimmy and said that. Yep. And yeah, Tibbs didn't do a thing. Jimmy's the coach of the team right now, and that's fine. Well, I'm, that, I'm down to Kuzia and have him be the, the player. Yeah, coach. I mean that's that's what they yeah. need though is like that that veteran leadership like Jimmy Butler, which is why he's incredibly valuable to this team. But like the guys will learn more from that than Tom Thibodeau barking at him every five minutes. No one learns from the bark. I don't I don't get that. Think about think about the people that are being in the, in the league right now. We're talking about Generation Z and Millennials, right? We don't do we don't respond well to being yeah. yelled at. It's we the, need it's we the need, participation trophy generation. I know. <laughs> so we need, so you're not only a coach of basketball, you're also a coach of like your emotional and mental game, right? Yeah. So yep. we need like a we need like a um, a mentor like flip. Right, so perfect. Steve I mean, Kerr he was the guy. Yeah, oh, Flip was the guy. And the thing about think what Tom Thibodeau did the legacy. Look what Glenn Taylor did to Flip's legacy. He eradicated it. It's There's gone. no KG jersey in the Raptors as there should be. Nope. And it's, it's like it's like that team didn't exist. Yep. And, and and really the final straw is if he goes and gets rid of. There's rumors he'll get rid of Tyus Jones, and I feel like that just kills the whole Oof. thing. If he goes, because because yep. I still remember being at Target Center the night when we drafted Tyus, and everyone's like, "Oh, what a cool moment!" And then that's kind of the final thing that Thibodeau could do, I think, to squash that, which really sucks. Is that too Minnesotan of us, though? Are we too loyal? I mean, if you look at the numbers, he performs. Oh, Tyus is great. But, I mean, that, but that's Tyus how we've fan. been, though. We've always been loyal, especially to the basketball team. We've always been loyal to the guys that that we feel do right by us and the two the three biggest names in all honesty that come at the forefront kg flip and tyus it's the whole one of us mentality yep that makes a big difference especially because we've been loserville Mm -hmm. for so long so we have like kg stuck by us and we we basically had to you know we had to kind of push him out because we knew that he needed a title and that we weren't going to get one and that's why we traded him to boston otherwise he probably would have been here his whole career and he never would have won a title. Yeah. And you look at what Flip did. I mean, yeah, we you know we let Flip go, whatever. But I mean, we brought him back. He was wild, wildly popular in this city. Like, yeah. we do right by the guys that do right by us. And we have his son on the coaching staff right now. Why yeah. can't we just let him be the coach? Right? Yeah, Ryan. Saunders Everyone loves the guy. Like, yeah. what are we doing here? And I, I don't even. I don't even know. I can't. I can't compre- I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it. It's something about how the offense is stale. The defense sucks, even though it's supposed to be great under Tom and the G moves and just the vibe it's those four factors i can't really i can't qualitate or qu- quantify it it's just i just feel it and it's just something feels weird about the i think the, right the big difference you talk about is behind the scenes you know flip saunders knows everybody they talk about how he's like the yeah. nicest guy whether you're you know the peanut guy or you're you know you're his right hand man he knows you and they talk about tom thibodeau maybe knows like two or three people mm-hmm. Well, there it is. And he doesn't and he doesn't have the well, and he doesn't have the interest in getting to know people it sounds like. Like he just kind of shells up and is a is a, a a clam about it and he doesn't like to kind of be that guy that's out there with the media. Are we let's take a quick t- oh quick timeout cuz there's a guy at the door. <laughs> oh no, Rob's going Rob's oh, going to go around. Rob's going to go do it. Rob Rob the Rob the, the hero over here. So let's let's get into some draft talk here. Have you been have you been following I don't. I don't follow any basketball until I get to the pros. I'm not watching it. So there's there's some potential people that are thinking that uh, uh, local guy.
Gary Trent Jr. from Duke could come to Minnesota. That'd be tight. Um, do you think we go with a local guy again? Not with Tibbs at the helm. <laughs> I mean, he wants to stay as far away as possible. I'm a big fan of uh, I'm a big fan of trading away draft picks because people overvalue them. Okay. So, so you, do you think we should get rid of uh, our pick at twenty? Yes. I mean, what good player has been picked at twenty? If you're not drafting someone in the top, you know, ten. Not, top see, now you're throwing out a challenge. All right, let's see here. I'm gonna I'm gonna look this up, but. Um, do you see anything, any possible way the Wolves could get into like the top 10 by chance? I mean, if that's the case, I would say get that top 10 pick and then flip it again on draft night. Okay. I, I, I don't, I, I, draft picks are so hard. I mean, and especially with the Wolves history. Now, this is a Vikings Rick Spielman situation. I'd say I want as many picks as possible. But even then, it's like, we have this first round pick, and if people want it, I don't see why we don't give it to them and get like a good 26, 27 year old in return. That makes sense. I'm, I'm down for that. So I, I did some, some quick research here. Uh, yeah. The uh, 20th overall pick that okay. the Wolves have. Uh, some names I'm going to throw at you Tony Snell. Tony Snell, okay. Evan Fournier. Okay. Uh, let's see. Oh, my dude from back in the day. You remember Eric Maynard from VCU? Wow. When he tore it up in the yes. tourney? Yes. So he was 09, Jameer Nelson in 04. Uh, and then quite possibly one of my favorite big men of all time, Zadrunas Ilgauskas. So 20 is a nice little pick. But, the, I mean, that's that's it, though. I mean, there's, you know, you've got uh, uh, Bruno Ca- uh, Caboclo from uh, Brazil, went to Toronto. He's not doing much. Uh, James Anderson, I don't know if I've drafted by the Spurs in 2010. Huh. So it's it's a, it's a pretty hit or miss, uh, hit or miss pick. Was it? Anything under 13, I get real scheduled with any picks under 13. I'm surprised Jameer also went 20 because Jameer was that guy yeah he but, was uh oh, where was the other name I just saw uh Brendan Haywood really from back way yeah, back in the day did he play for oh, us for a, for a minute didn't Brendan Haywood I have swear like, he did I think he had like two years in like the uh, Al Jefferson was our franchise player days I think Brendan Haywood was on that squad very well might have been it wouldn't surprise me at this point if who, it was, hasn't, who hasn't played for the Timberwolves <laughs> in the mid 2000s that was if uh, it's not real life I definitely signed him on like my NBA live team <laughs> like oh he was he was a solid dude no so he never played for the Wolves he was uh, the Wizards for nine years, yep. then the Mavericks, then the Bobcats, and then the Cavs. Okay, definitely was an NBA Live 08 move. Yes. I signed him. <laughs> and, he has, and he has more championships than uh, a lot of the Minnesota Timberwolves. He was well, a champ in 2011. Well, we're proud of him. We're really happy look for at, you, Brendan. Look at him go. Uh, North Carolina. Hmm. All right, Brendan Haywood. Um, let's, uh, do you think the Wolves make any splashes in free agency? I mean, we have little to no cap space, so I don't know how much of a possibility that's going to be. But it depends what we clear up. Well, how much do we have? Uh, we I think we have like the MLE, which is like uh, like thirty six over four. I think is like what we could make for the MLE. Okay, I mean, so we can get like a middle of the road player, someone to kind of fill yeah, out our can, bench, or we could sign Derrick Rose long term. Okay, don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, two thousand. Yeah, I like what he did though. Like yeah. for for what we paid for him, I and mean, we paid like a few thousand, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars for him. Yeah. Like he actually provided really well. It's a good value pick. I, it just it, it just kind of backs up everything I think about Tom Thibodeau. We got you know it's it's the Timberwolves means yes, you know basically. It's, it's like if you can't get people outside of people that played for you almost a decade ago, let's not forget that almost a decade ago. Then I don't know. I just don't know about that. So the Wolves have almost like eighty something million tied up. In Oof, that's five players. 
I read something about the about actually the, even even way more than that. Who was it? My friend Brandon was telling me about how in the NBA you got to spend like like a, you should get like pay two or three players a lot of money and then just do veteran minimums for everyone else. Kind of yep. like and it's like we're trying to do see 2009 GM status. A lot of players making a middle of the road amount of money, whereas like the Taj Gibson contract is not the best, and we have these we're and Jeff T contract not the best. Yep. So we we're, we got money tied up in a lot of assets, whereas I'd rather just have two or three players making so much money and then veteran league minimum for everyone else. And the worst part, I think, with Jeff Teague is like we. So he's got a player option for 2019, 2020 mm-hmm. for 19 mil. Well, he'll take it. So like, I mean, I would I would love like Jeff Teague for this year and then move on, save the money. But that's going to set us back when we're already paying Wiggins another 27. Uh, so next season, 93 million dollars spent between Butler, Teague, Gorgie, Taj, and Wiggins. Ick. Come on. And I think we need to get rid of two of those players at a minimum. I think we could even get rid of a third, but now the guy that I want just signed a max extension with the San Antonio Spurs. Who would you, you want? Kawhi. Oh, he, he did? Kawhi. When did he sign so, that? Uh, it was, I believe it was earlier today. Oh. There's reports out uh, that uh, that he did sign a, uh, an extension uh, right around the noon hour here on Monday per mm-hmm. a San Antonio source uh, that I'm seeing. And that's going to be like a, a $200 plus million dollar extension is what? $219 million dollars. For uh, I believe five years. That thoroughly disappoints me because he would have looked great in the right? guess, in the in the in the navy and lime green as it is. Forty nowadays. almost forty million dollars a year for Kawhi Leonard. Man, that's a that's a nice job. I, I think I'd be okay with that. I'd be okay. I don't think, but I mean, but look at how much we'd have to give up to be able to afford that. Yeah. I mean, you'd have to get rid of Gorgie and Teague. You probably couldn't keep Wiggins at that same point as well. But are you okay with that? Yeah, I mean, I no. I, I think so, I honestly would be. So that's that's number one of our of our Timberwolves offseason, right? It was Kawhi possibly? That's yep. off the table now. So now, now the, it's Wiggins for Demar Derozan. Then, then there's the the five percenters that think that uh, uh, LeBron James is going to come to Minnesota. I am one of those only because you manifest your reality. Thoughts become reality. Let's make it happen. We'll see. It. I think the only thing holding us back is that we didn't get a billboard. To try yeah. to get him here. It's not too late, though, Rob. Did you pay for the the Fire Thibs billboard that they started up? They had the GoFundMe a few oh, weeks I think, ago. I think I donated a buck. I think I was I was down for it, but that's a to, buck well spent. I know. I think well I, I needed to save my money for the the bring LeBron or bring bring Kawhi to uh, to Minnesota. Yo, LeBron's LeBron's a win win because if he comes in, he's now the coach and GM. You can yep. you can kind of muscle. Yeah, there kinda, we go. Fire Thibs. We'll, we'll sign LeBron as a as a player coach, and uh, we'll make Scott Lee in the GM, and we'll be good. To go. Boom. I'm a big fan of the player coach. Bob Cousy did it great. Bob Cousy reference, Rob. <laughs> can we just can we just sign Jordan long term to the to the house? He likes Cousy. Have you do you know are you familiar with our game? It was the Bob Cousy game. We have the can Kevin Cousy because in in season was that season, season one? one? In very season early one on. we're having a conversation and we mentioned Bob Cousy because we were going over like like top assist or something, and Kevin goes, Who's Bob Cousy? I got I got what? Humbled. I got right? humbled very quickly. So after very that, quickly. we made a we made a, a trivia game we do every week and it's called Can Kevin Cousy. <laughs> and so, what's the game? I 
it's so basically so you get uh, so it's five hints, and then so each one makes it more obvious who the players, or sometimes it's like a team, mm-hmm. and then you have to guess what player it is. And every week we do like bonus questions. Oh, and, I love it. And there's uh, you know we there's different ways we do it. We started last week we did streaks, which yep. uh, worked out for Kevin. That worked out perfectly for me. See, I thought the game was gonna be like six degrees of Bob Cousy. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a player like Tracy McGrady, and you have to, you have to somehow link him back to Bob Cousy. Sometimes we link a little that's, bit. I think that's actually a pretty good game idea, there, Rob. I like that. Six cool. degrees of Kevin Bacon, but we'll call it six degrees of Bob Cousy. <laughs> How can I you do like that? We'll have to like uh, we'll have to figure out a day that we can make it work to have you on the game show and yes. see how you see how you stack up. Because probably Aaron, not well. Aaron and I. Well, and that's the thing. Like we've had a bunch of guests come on. I think uh, guests are almost all, almost undefeated. Yeah, really. Yep. Yeah, we had Minnesota come on and play. Great and guy, he, by the way. And he oh, the best. And yeah, he 100%. won on the on the tiebreaker question. I think is what it was. was yeah, it we had this absurd uh, question based on. So Bob Cousy went to Holy uh, Cross. Yep, Holy Cross, and we had a lacrosse, like Holy Cross question based on a current player there, and he just like guessed a name out of he like left pull, field. Yeah, and it was pulled correct. it out of thin air for wow. the win. It was Meta. it was incredible. So we'll have to we'll have to yes. see how you do it. Is it is a little bit tougher than it sounds like because it's both Rob and I write the show or write the game every so often. And we make it uh, we make it pretty interesting. Well, I, I can come back. So let's uh, we got oh you got a meeting that you oh, got to get to it's, oh we got oh, one minute we got whoa. one minute let's let's uh, let's uh, give out your your social media where people can find you and uh, when to find you on on Go ninety six all right so it's at Tornado Jally J A L L Y it's a long story Tornado Alley <laughs> my middle name is Jally so we're in Tornado I like it Tornado I like Jally it. I like it all social media and then I'm on Go ninety six three every weednight from seven to midnight you can stream us at GoRadioMN.com or you can just um, listen to Dash Radio the them a uh, net channel, the Howl Radio with there these guys. There we go. We'll I could, I could, I can't steal all this. <laughs> I, I, I realize what platform I'm on right now. So shouts out Dash DJ Ski. Thank you for all that you do. Hey, thanks definitely, for coming definitely. in, man. Appreciate it. Let's uh, let's not wait six months to have you back. Yes, in. yeah, I'll come through. We'll have to we'll have to get you in for the game show. Yes, we'll figure out a way to make that work. Oh, yeah, and, definitely, uh, we can make that work, and we'll definitely do it. So, uh, so what we're gonna do? We're gonna leave you a halftime coming up here with the two tracks that uh, Jordan produced for the new Dwynell. Roland album, which you can find everywhere, iTunes, streaming services, everything. Uh, why don't you intro the tracks and we'll get into halftime. All right. So uh, which one are we starting out with? It's up to you. All right. Let's start out, let's start out with Go. It's like an indie pop uh, feel inspired by mid-2000s Timbaland. It's when I'll roll and it's Go on uh, Howl Radio. The Howl? The Howl. The Howl. The Howl. Damn, I messed up the talk up, <laughs> but it's when I'll roll on my dude. Let's run it. All right. Looking in your eyes, trying to read all your lies Please let me some more, stop the disguise No need to play these games, you can chill with all the remorse You've been on my mind, everything been kinda bright Close to being blind, but show me some more Ask the homies for the report, thinking twice about the resort See, you've been on my mind, even though I've been on this grind Looking for something to hold on to Trying to grasp everything I put into Looking for ways, just trying not to text you I guess this is life, puzzles never truly go right Saying Texas like house life, please tell me more Stalling with emotion, should let it sail, let it go to the ocean. But let me fall back, 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 back. Trying to gain everything that I lack. Replaying games never was in that. I know things change, baby. Please tell me that. Waiting for something that won't come back. Deposit your heart, kinda hard to start fresh. To be real, I've been sorta in a mess. But something like this, I truly gotta put the rest. So I should just go, 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 go. Let me 
just go, 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 go. I should just go, 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 go. I should just, I should just. But let me just go, 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 go. I should just go, 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 go. Let me just go, 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 go. I should just, I should just. How you been all around, up and down through the town, calling me late, saying how you miss my sound, but you know the liquor got you down, you regret the next day, knowing your feelings were the greatest escape, you prolong your ways, I don't know about you, but I know about me, but I see a lot of hurt, let it go on three, don't talk too much, so you put it all in, you still feel lost, you're not all in, searching for the ways, you just hope for better days, but craving something more, don't fall in, self-control is a bitch, off and on like a switch, but hey, you say you know what you want, I don't believe that, knowing damn well you won't get feedback. Back to the signals that you hunt, but let it go, 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 go. You don't believe that, girl, you know, no, 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 no. See, I'm all for the timing, been the slow, keep on going with the grinding. Everybody knows your feelings ain't aligning, but you change up just like the comments. Everything ain't good, but you know you not excited. Girl, just go, 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 go. Let me just go, 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 go. I should just go, go, go. Go, 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 I should just, I should just, but let me just go, 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 yeah. Yeah. Chat. Look, came in the game where you gotta work the avenue. Tossing out the cash, give it all back to the gratitude. All these groupie hoes want that life, they try to pass at you. Backstage blunts move around like batons do. Sipping on the. When I was super chill, coming from an air where everyone think they real Dive in reality, nigga, truth's a pill Homicide with the lines, line them up just like a drill Getting money by the day, fucking bitches by the night Grown man robbing daily, they addicted to that life Baby girl of the strip, she addicted to that pole Fast money is the gold, dope dealers all she know Niggas tossing out the cash, but don't know where it goes Drugs on the kitchen table, looking for that pot of gold Guns up in the closet saying get it how they live And the whole time I witnessed it all chilling on the bench uh, I remember homie riding on the bench Well, shit is past tense Popping shot and got 100 now to see the boy whip Damn, now this all legit Double back with the model started off used to strip uh, Ain't that bad a bitch Paying for the pussy, nigga, ain't gon' get a Benz You focus on these chicks, man, I'm focused on these wins Homie, just ride with me, don't lie to me I know you wanna ride with me, but why with me? I know it's do or die to me, don't side with me They see you on the rise, homie, you see clearly 
Destroying the image of a nigga feeling great Drug dealing was the model but it really was my place Seen it all with the shots, man they trying to double back See they pushing all that dope, hoping to gain what they lack Niggas started from the bench Now I'm starting on the yachts, triple sewer Showing ass, taking pictures, hit a flash You can see it what it is See the past never lasts, but that shit will catch up That's a life on the class See, I was getting it in, I seen the whole crash Full circle scene, drug dealers like the girls Chasing what were her the whole time On the bench, I was making plays And now they see the kid asking if I can share all my ways Damn, I remember homie riding on the bench Well, shit is past tense Popping shot, he got 100, now they see the boy whip Damn it's all legit, double back with the model Started off, used to strip uh, Ain't that bad a bitch Paying for the pussy, nigga, ain't gon' get a bins You focus on these chicks, man, I'm focused on these wins Homie, just ride with me, don't lie to me I know you wanna ride with me, but why with me? I know it's do or die to me, don't side with me They see you on the rise, homie, you see clearly Ride with me, don't lie to me I know you wanna ride with me But why with me? I know it's do or die to me Don't side with me They see you on the rise, homie You see clearly That does it for the first half show Stay tuned for the second half Coming later this week on iTunes, Stitcher or anywhere great podcasts are found. You can listen to us on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel on Wednesdays from 2 to 5 p.m. and Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Central.